you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Pope Francis made some big announcements recently. He came out in favor of civil unions. Now, I know how civil unions are viewed in the U.S. I'm personally in favor of gay marriage, period. LGBT people should be treated as equals. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. The Pope didn't endorse gay marriage, and I'm not happy about that. But think about it from the Pope's perspective. By endorsing civil unions, he broke a long tradition by other Popes and Catholic leaders. Lots of pissed off people. What he did, in his sphere, is incredibly progressive. Not in my sphere. I want him to go further. But this is a step in the right direction. Now we need a few more like that. So good for the Pope. I'm glad he's starting to move over on the issue. And who knows? Maybe the the next pope will be even better. Although there's always a strong possibility he'll be worse. A lot worse. Trump's been saying for years that he was confirmed as Presbyterian when he was younger, which I find to be very interesting. Presbyterians are like Catholic light. They have a lot of similar rituals, but they're still technically Protestants. Presbyterians are actually from a fairly extreme sect of Christianity, or it can be extreme, though Trump doesn't really strike me as an extreme Christian. I get the impression he thinks it's nothing more than a scam, but it's a scam he needs to play into to get votes, just like every other Republican leader in the U.S. There are lots of similarities between Catholic and Presbyterians. They both do infant baptisms, and then when you turn 12 or 13, they do confirmation, which solidifies your position within the church for the rest of your life. But apparently, despite his confirmation in the Presbyterian church, he's come out as being non-denominational. That's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing for Trump. But as I said, I'm viewing this from the perspective that Trump is just in it for the votes and doesn't care one way or another. Viewing it from that angle, it seems to me like his plan is to identify more with the evangelical voting bloc. Evangelicals are generally considered to be non-denominational, though they're typically from a Pentecostal branch of Christianity. Televangelists buy into certain doctrines which aren't really held by any other denominations, like the doctrines found in the last chapter of the Book of Mark. The last few verses are known forgeries, but extreme Pentecostals follow them anyways. Mark 16 verses 17 to 18 say, quote, These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and they will drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. End quote. Again, these verses are known forgeries, but they're the defining verses that differentiate extreme Pentecostals and televangelists from every other denomination. Faith healing, snake handling, and speaking in tongues. So this move by Trump is a pretty clear signal to me that he's trying to appeal more to the evangelical voting bloc, as if he didn't already have their full support. The Prime Minister of Australia is miffed. He's reportedly getting ready to slap sanctions on a few organizations, including, but not limited to, the one and only Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm sure we can all guess why. If you're unaware, a while back, the Australian Royal Commission investigated Jehovah's Witnesses over claims of child mistreatment cases, also known as CSA. They called the governing body in to testify in everything. And guess what? The governing body members lied. I mean, it might not come as a surprise to most people here, but it honestly came as a surprise to me. I know the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses twists the truth all the time. They parrot things from their perspective and it's warped to shit. But outright lie? Usually they find ways around outright lying. But that's the fascinating thing about this situation. The governing body member knowingly lied under oath after swearing to tell the whole truth on the New World Translation of the Bible. How do they justify that? Their theocratic warfare doctrine. Anything is justified if it's in service to the organization. Lying, cheating, manipulation, is acceptable in Jehovah's eyes if you're doing it to protect him, or more specifically, if you're doing it to protect the organization. Australian leadership isn't too happy with them after that little debacle, so the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, is preparing to sanction the organization. So what's that mean exactly? Well, first of all, it means Morrison is standing in solidarity with survivors of the Watchtower Society. It also means they're pushing through what they call a national redress plan, where survivors will be awarded payments for the experiences they were put through thanks to the Watchtower society. The National Redress Plan has received almost 8,300 applications. Of those, 4,670 decisions have been made, including 3,826 payments, and the average payment was around $82,000. So this is good news. The plan was slowed thanks to the pandemic, but it is moving forward. So hopefully my fellow ex-Jehovah's Witnesses will see some justice. 
James Randi, a name not all of you might know, but he's been very important to the skeptic movement for decades. He influenced me when I was younger. When I was still trying to find my way in life, after leaving my old cult, I stumbled upon his videos. He's helped countless people find skepticism. And finally, on October 20th, 2020, at the age of 92, he died. Rest in peace, James Randi. His contributions to atheists and skeptics cannot be overestimated. He made an appearance on a show about 12 years ago, and he had this to say. People don't pay attention to this because they don't really want to know. They like the fantasy. They like the comfort. They don't want to know the truth. The truth to them is ugly. You're going to die. Someday you're going to die. That is a fact. And it's time that our species grew up, matured to the point where they could look ahead and say, Yes, I, I, I'm going to die, but I want to do the best I can while I am still alive. That's my attitude. At 83, ladies and gentlemen, I have years, some years ahead of me. I will work up until the minute that I close my eyes for the last time, and when I do that, I will be smiling. I couldn't have said it better myself. He was smiling to the bitter end because he knew what he was doing was making the world a better place. So thank you, James Randi. We're going to take a closer look at his accomplishments on the podcast in his honor. Republican Congressman Clay Higgins said this on Twitter the other day, quote, My wife has a gift of premonition, end quote. I'm sorry, what? Your wife has a gift of premonition? Why don't I ever hear this crazy shit from Democrat congressmen? If you have any examples of it, please feel free to send them to me on Twitter. One line in and we've already entered crazy town. Let's continue. Quote, my wife has a gift of premonition. Last night she dreamed the federal squads were in our home seizing guns, knives, unauthorized foods, and stored water. They said we'd been reported. Becca awoke crying. What happened to our freedom, she asked. What indeed? End quote. Where the holy fuck do I even start with this? That'll never happen. First, it's not illegal to store food and water. Second, it's not illegal to have guns. It'll never be. Not in the U.S. The Second Amendment of the Constitution guarantees that. At absolute best, the federal government would institute a buyback program, like Australia did years ago, where you can bring your stuff to the government and they'll pay you for it. They will never raid people's homes just for having stuff like that, unless it's something that civilians absolutely should not have, like a tank or something. Honestly, I don't know why I'm taking this guy seriously, when he literally tweeted, my wife has a gift of premonition. Oh, oh, I remember why. Because he's a leader in our government. Right. Unfortunately, we have to take him seriously, whether we like it or not. Don't forget, if you want to call in and leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. I'm from Colorado. If you, had, if you were to write a book that was intended to reprogram people from something that a lot of people believe through propaganda and you want to plant the seed needed to make them um, question that belief they held and deprogram them. Does that make sense? How would you go about doing that? Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, it's a complicated question, as I'm sure most people can guess. As I'm sure you know, it's, it's a very complicated question. If there was one question that you could use to deprogram people, what question would it be? I don't think that there's any magic bullet. Unfortunately, I feel like there's... It would largely... First of all, it would largely depend on the subject, the belief that they held. For Jehovah's Witnesses, it would be a different question than if it was like a Scientologist or a Trump supporter or something like that. And FYI, when I say Trump supporter, I mean an extremist. I don't mean the standard, oh, I'm going to vote for Trump kind of guy. I would say, generally speaking, just for any group, the question should be one that would get them to think critically in a non-confrontational way. Maybe something about, what would it take you to change your mind? A lot of the deprogramming methods are based in conversation, not one-way dialogue. It's all based in conversation, reacting to what they're saying, reacting to what they believe and what they think and why they think it. The whole idea would be to try to get them to 
see that what they believe may not be based in fact, not necessarily. If it's not based in fact, then the only other option is that it's based in faith, the belief in something that's not seen. And once you come to that realization, you have to ask the question, how do you know you're more correct than a Muslim whose beliefs are also based in faith, or a Catholic, or a Jehovah's Witness, or anybody? How do you know you're more correct? But asking that question, that final question, there has to be a lead-up to that question. You have to rule a whole bunch of stuff out in the conversation before you can get there. Because they all have answers for those things. For that, I'm sorry. Because they all have answers for that one question if you just shoot it out to them. Any single question is usually answered by a cult. The trick is to build a cohesive understanding of the belief system and then point out the flaws in that belief system. Uh, hello, Owen. Uh, I'm Jacob from Texas. Uh, I'm, I'm an atheist. I was a, I, I'm an ex-Baptist. I was wondering to what extent would you say bath, baptism is a cult? All right. Thank you. To what extent are Baptists in a cult? That's a good question. I really like that. Um, it depends on the version of Baptist, I guess. A long time ago in the 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s, that time frame, the Baptist church split off into... I believe, Northern Baptist and Southern Baptist. And the reason for the split was because Southern Baptists believed that slavery, they believed in slavery. They believed that the Bible supported it and that we should be doing it. And the Northern Baptists did not accept that. At any rate, that split happened. And eventually the Northern Baptists just became the Baptists. And the Southern Baptists went on to form their own very extreme version of the Baptist faith. There are other types of Baptists, too. There's the Independent Fundamentalist Baptist Church, and then there's the New Independent Fund Fundamentalist Baptist Church, which is the NIFB. There are a bunch of them out there. And that's one of the problems with dealing with and identifying cults is the fact that if there's a lot of diversity in a group, then you need to narrow it down to very specific groups, not just Baptist, but you have to get down to NIFB or IFB or Southern Baptist or things like that. So Baptist as a whole, I would say it's too broad. But the NIFB, absolutely 100% a cult. No question about that in my mind. Um, Southern Baptist... I feel can be broken down into subgroups even further. But it's a cult breeding ground. I'll say that. The Southern Baptist faith is a cult breeding ground. It is a, a fundamentalist extremist group. The further into the Baptist faith you go, the more cult-like it becomes. Hey, Owen, this is James. I love your podcast. Uh, you and Lucian Greaves are doing an excellent job. Keep up the good work. Um, when, did, um, when did evangelism get political? That's the only thing I'd want to know. So if you're able to answer that, let me know. You have a good day. I appreciate that. Really interesting question, actually. And I talked about this on my main channel not too long ago. So I went into the video and I clipped it out so that we could give it a listen because it's been a while since I've done this video. I think it's been a couple of months. Um, let's listen to the video and see what I said. The time. Hang on. Let me find it. Here it is. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. 
the name of the video, I believe, was The Rise of Televangelism. I think it's about halfway through the video, but let's listen to it. In 1979, Jerry Falwell used his fame to push something called the Moral Majority, which encouraged Christians to get more political and vote on specific issues. He went pretty hard against evolution, secularism being taught in schools, and homosexuals. They picked up a bunch of key political issues and ran with it. The organization disbanded in 1989, but they definitely accomplished their goal of politicizing Christians and branding the Republican Party as the political party of evangelical Christians. Lots of points argued by Republicans in the U.S. today are based on Christian values, which is why I will never be a Republican. I might vote for a Republican candidate, probably not, but I might. I might even move toward conservative or libertarian ideas. Again, probably not. Some, maybe. But I will never consider myself a Republican. The party is linked to, supported, and heavily influenced by extremist Christianity. That's just what it is. I know I have some atheist Republicans in my audience. That's okay. I understand we have different views. Differing opinions should be allowed. But I will never be a part of a political party that's so heavily controlled by extremist Christianity. So the bottom line behind this video is... Um, Jerry Falwell Sr. and Billy Graham and a bunch of others in the 80s started this basically campaign to try to get people to be more... To, they, they started this campaign to try to get their congregations to be more involved in politics. Now, it's been shown that as you get older you get more religious and you get more conservative. That's the general trend in society, in U.S. society. So the goal was to link those two, link religion and politics inextricably so that everybody in their congregations, everybody in their megachurches would all go vote for the Republican candidate. No questions asked. That was the goal. And they largely succeeded. They did it. That's where we are now. The Republican Party is controlled by the evangelical voting bloc. You can't get into the government. You can't get into Congress or the presidency or anything else unless you have the blessing, if you will, of the evangelical voting bloc. It's really very sad that we found ourselves at this point because that is one of the signs of a fascist government. That's one of the signs of a fascist society. Religion and politics are inextricably linked. And during the 1940s, after the 40s, into the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, there were people that studied what happened in 1940s Germany, trying to understand it so that we don't make those mistakes again as a human race. And they found that mixing religion and politics that way is one of the key is one of the keys to how that whole situation played out. It was one of the ways that the leadership in the government in the 1940s in Germany riled people up. They got them all pissed off over the fact that Jews killed Jesus. That was their rallying cry. That's why they... That's what got all of the people on board in Germany. One of the things that got them all on board. Plus, rhetoric that looked a lot like what we see happening right now in the U.S. with Donald Trump and demonizing others, demonizing anybody who doesn't have white skin, that kind of thing. That's how it happened. Um, I know that's probably a controversial take, but I don't, I don't really know what to do about that. Like, that's just what it is. I'm sorry if people don't like me stating that fact, but that's how it played out, and that's what we're seeing take place right now. I'm not saying that Trump is literally Hitler or anything. I'm saying he's using a lot of the exact same tactics that Hitler used. And 
That is a, a disturbing sign to me. It should be disturbing to anybody. Let's take a look at YouTube comments out of curiosity. I filtered for negative sentiment because I'm kind of interested to see what negative things people have to say. Now, bear in mind, this is a search algorithm and as such doesn't know who Telltale is. So the negative sentiment may not be directed at me. I would love it if I could find those. But uh, it's just general negative sentiment. So let's take a look at the comments and see what people had to say. Zippy blessed, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is coming. Call on him now. Fascinating. Uh, I'll pass. I'll pass on that. Prove to me that Jesus is real, and, and I will consider it. But even then, Jesus and just the God of the Old Testament and honestly the God of the New Testament are fucking monsters, dude. I don't want anything to do with those people. They're fucking awful people. Like, they're awful beings. Holy shit, man. Hannah M. Jehovah must be so insecure if he demands you like him more than your hobby to the extreme that you have to quit your hobby altogether. Yeah, that was about my video today, Why Jehovah's Witnesses Hate Fun. Deboot888. Isn't it like the first rule of martial arts? Like, this is for self-confidence, not for violence? It is in a lot of cases, not in all cases. Interestingly enough, um, about my video on martial arts and Jehovah's Witnesses hating martial arts, when I was little, I actually went to a martial arts studio because my uncle was really, really into martial arts. He's like a fourth degree black belt instructor or something, and he owned his own studio in Taekwondo. And um, so we went there basically like once a year. We would go visit them when I was little. And I actually went to his studio at one point and put the whole suit on and, you know, the belts and everything else and stayed for like one lesson just for the hell of it. But my parents were very strict about what I was allowed and what I was not allowed to do when I was there. I wasn't allowed to bow under any circumstances. Wasn't allowed to uh, salute the flag or, or stand in front of the flag or look at the flag or any of that other weird shit if there was a flag. There were just a, a bunch of really weird rules that went with it as a result of being a Jehovah's Witness. Big surprise. Ratch. I really, really dislike that, that guy's lisp. I don't know why they chose him, but really that's all they could get. No hate to people with lisps at all, but in voice acting, it's really getting on the ears, and they're bad for the ears. It's just bad editing and actor choice. Ew. Love your voice, though. It's like butter. Oh, I appreciate that. I know Jehovah's Witnesses oftentimes pick people with very unique voices, specifically, um, good or bad, because it sticks out. You remember it. Like Stephen Lett, for example, one of the governing body members, has a very unique, specific cadence to his voice. David did it as he played on his harp. The Levites did it regularly at the temple. Jesus did it shortly before being executed. Paul and Silas did it while in stocks deep in a prison dungeon. The resurrected anointed do it as they stand before Jehovah's throne. What activity are we talking about? We're talking about singing songs of praise to Jehovah. And of course, all of us want to imitate these fine Bible examples. And it makes very strange facial expressions, but it sticks in your mind. That's what matters to Jehovah's Witnesses. They want it to stick in your mind. And all of their speakers, like when you're listening to one of their sermons or something, all their speakers have really, really unique cadences that you don't find basically anywhere else except for the Jehovah's Witness religion. Fuck Watchtower. Warning, Watchtower is tracking cell phones. Okay. Interesting. Um, I, ha I, I keep up with Jehovah's Witness news real fucking closely, obviously. And I haven't heard anything about that. I haven't seen any evidence of it. So I'm a little bit skeptical that they're tracking cell phones. I wouldn't be surprised to learn that they are 
gathering user data for their apps. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I basically like any app out there. But um, I, I would like to know more about what they mean by tracking cell phones. Anyway, thank you for the comment on that. Taylor Adams, man, this dude just needed some therapy if he used, um, God damn it. Man, this dude just needed some therapy if he was feeling so lonely and lost that he turned to a cult. Bear in mind, it's cults do prey on emotionally vulnerable people, but that's not how it always plays out. You don't always join a cult as a result of being emotionally vulnerable, like people who have lost a loved one recently or something like that. It's not always necessarily the case, but um, therapy is good for basically everybody, in my opinion. I think everybody, just about, has something, some experience that they've gone through that therapy would probably help. So I would recommend you find some. Everybody, seriously. What, what could it hurt? Vote. Don't be a moron. Biden is satanic as hell. Fascinating. That was on my Kenneth Copeland kicked off TV video. This person seems to believe that Biden is satanic as hell. I beg to differ, good sir. Actually, you know, I, I have an idea where to find some good hate comments. So last week I did a segment about racism in the U.S. When was America great? That was the question. And I released the video to my main channel instead of my podcast channel, right? I talked about how racism is a problem in the U.S. That's basically what the whole premise of the video is about. Racism exists in the U.S., and it's a problem that I would like to see dealt with. It was a little bit more detailed than that, obviously. It's like a four-minute video, but that's the premise. So let's take a look at the comments in that video. Can't everybody in the U.S. agree that racism does exist in the U.S., right? Racism exists everywhere in the world. It's just, you know, human nature. We need to fight that human nature to make things more fair and equal for everybody. I thought that was something that everyone could get on board with. Can Are people really about to argue with me about this? Let's take a look at the comments. I liked you better when you weren't political. Oh my God, this person here, Cheryl St. Germain says some really weird stuff. So let's see what they have to say. YouTube timer 039. Owen, no one particular person owns the human language or phrases, just like there are really no new musical notes or chords, yet the same thousands of interplays are changed to make you think you were given something creatively new. Again, if you were to take every great speech and read the sayings of all the Greek scholars, the Bible, parables of Jesus, ancient Taoism, before the life of Jesus, Buddhism, you would find that there is nothing new under the sun if you had been taught Plato's cave in junior high and tweaked the words with synonyms, abstract shortcuts, cut a few sentences short, oh my god, this just keeps going on, and moved punctuation and capital letters around, you would think Stephen Hassan or Robert J. Lifton as some kind of genius or hero. The same information is always right there in front of your face. In fact, Lifton, in studying prisoners of war, borrowed heavily from the novel and classic Red Badge of Courage and tried to make his work sound unique. Robert J. Lifton's work was unique. Just because we use the same 26-letter alphabet does not mean that nothing is unique. That is absurd. This person is a, a serious conspiracy theorist, actually. Um, it... If you went back into my channel and searched for Cheryl St. Germain, you'd find some real weird shit. Seriously, real weird shit. Owen wasn't born yet, but in the 60s, right before the assassination of John F. Kennedy, most Americans were satisfied with their jobs and the economy and the middle class was strong and you really didn't want for anything. How would Owen know? Oh, let's see, a fucking history book. Why don't we start there? I had history books when I was little. Still have some, actually. And yeah, in the 1960s, right before the assassination of John F. Kennedy, a lot of people were doing really well. You know who wasn't doing really well? Black people. They weren't doing really well before JFK's assassination. They were still drinking from colored water fountains. That's the fucking point of the Civil Rights Amendment. The point of the Civil Rights Amendment was to desegregate and try to make the country a little bit less racist. At that time, we were still a segregated country. Are you telling me that's when America was great? 
Is that what you're saying? Dude, I'm a huge fan, but I'm, but I'm getting so tired of this political stuff. I didn't subscribe to hear you talk about how Republicans in the U.S. suck. I want to hear about why Mormons and J-dubs are crazy. I know I'm just one subscriber, but I'm sure many others feel the same. Stop with the anti-American crap or I'm going to have to take my views elsewhere. Then fucking go! Nobody is hog-tying you and prying your eyes open like it's a clockwork fucking orange and forcing you to sit here watching my videos. Go if you don't want to hear my opinions. That's what this channel is for, my opinions. If you don't like them, then get the fuck out. People fucking kill me, man. What is this shit? Somebody responded to them. If you can laugh at how crazy religious people are, you should easily see how crazy MAGA and Republican racists are. Thank you, Mr. Feel Nothing. I... Couldn't have said it better myself. Response, Mr. Feel Nothing. I'm a Republican who wears a Trump 2020 KAG hat wherever I go. If you think even for a minute I'm racist, you're dead wrong. The point is, it isn't a political analysis channel. It's an atheist channel. I'm here to watch them debunk religions, not politics. Oh, I'm going to have to respond to this one. Mr. Feel Nothing. Racist? Not all of them, to be honest. I'm Mexican and I have a lot of Republican friends. Saying all of them are racist is some bullshit. Like saying all blacks commit murder, all feminists are extremists, all blondes are silly. It doesn't work that way. I know you didn't use the word all. That's what it seems. That's what seems to be implied. I personally don't have a problem if he talks about politics, though. All right, I'm going to respond. I'm going to get fucking aggressive. The channel is whatever I fucking want it to be because it's my fucking channel, dumbass. No, no, no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I gotta calm down. Gotta take a breather here. What should I say, though? Uh, let's see. The channel is whatever I want it to be. Not gonna be a dick. I just so happened to... No. I just... I decided to talk about racism in this video. If you don't like that, feel free to go elsewhere. But bear in mind, cults and politics are very closely linked. If you don't like to hear about politics on a cults channel, then I think you have the wrong idea of how this works. Yeah, that'll do. What a fucking asshole, dude. What a fucking asshole. God, this shit kills me. Look, let me just make a quick point, because this is important. I chose not to be a dickhead. The reason I chose not to be a dickhead is because I am a public figure and my words hold more weight in this context right here while talking to this person than some other random asshole. Mr. Feel Nothing responding to this guy, it's just another dude on the internet and it's just another disagreement and it's just whatever. Me responding to this guy, that could be different. He could feel differently about that. In my interactions as Telltale on the internet, I have the power to crush people or to uplift them. I can ruin somebody's day with what I say on Twitter, on YouTube, anywhere that I'm being represented as Telltale. I can ruin somebody's fucking day. I can't really blame sketchy feet or whatever this guy is. I can't really blame this guy for holding the views that he holds. Everybody is a hero of their own story. Everybody's a hero of their own story. He believes that he's doing the right thing. He could be wrong. He, in my opinion, he is wrong. In his opinion, I'm wrong. But I have to understand that the vast majority of people don't believe that they're evil or bad people are doing bad things. They believe they're, they're good people doing the right things. The vast majority. With that in mind, it's not fair for me to come in and crush people's spirits. This guy, who knows if he would even give a shit. Who knows if he'd, he'd even give a shit if I shredded him in the comments. Maybe he wouldn't. Maybe he wouldn't fucking care. But a lot of people would. He said he's been a, a subscriber for a long time. 
That means he's put a lot of stock in what I've had to say, and he values my opinion on subjects for the most part. If I'm suddenly shredding him, it could really crush his self-confidence. And not, not just him, but it, it, if I come in and I shred somebody, it could, it could hurt their self-confidence. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to be responsible for that. Sometimes I get worked up and I lose my shit on somebody. But I put everything I have into not doing that. Because I, I do have a disproportionate amount of power in this situation. I can crush people or I can uplift people. It's my choice. I choose to uplift people as much as possible. I try to encourage and motivate and make people happy rather than crush people and hurt them and make them sad. That's my general philosophy in life. When we come back, we're going to talk about James Randi, what he wanted us to know about his death and his contributions to the world. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So as I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard, the amazing James Randi has passed away, sadly. There's this article on AP News about it. I wanted to give it a read and see what it had to say. And then we're going to talk a little bit about who James Randi was and what he did. And then we're going to end with his parting message to the world. So let's start off by reading this AP article. Title is James Randi, Dazzling Magician and Skeptic, Dies at 92. It's by Matt Sedensky. James Randi, a magician who later challenged spoonbenders, mind readers, and faith healers with such veracity that he became regarded as the country's foremost skeptic, has died, his foundation announced. He was 92. The James Randi Educational Foundation confirmed the death, saying simply that his founder succumbed to age-related causes on Tuesday. 92 is a, is a good age, man. He got a lot out of life at 92 years old. Very impressed. Entertainer, genius, debunker, which apparently, by the way, he hated the word debunker, so that, that's what I've come to hear recently. And atheist, Randy was them all. He began gaining attention not long after dropping out of high school to join the carnival. As the amazing Randy, he escaped from a locked coffin submerged in water and from a straitjacket as he dangled over Niagara Falls. Impressive. That's some Houdini-level shit. Magical as his feats seemed, Randy concluded his shows around the globe with a simple statement, insisting no otherworldly powers were at play. Quote, everything you've seen here is tricks, he would say. There's nothing supernatural involved, unquote. The magician's transparency gave a glimpse of what would become his longest-running act as the country's skeptic-in-chief. In that role, his first widely-seen exploit was also his most enduring. On a 1972 episode of The Tonight Show, he helped Johnny Carson set up Uri Geller, the Israeli performer who claimed to bend spoons with his mind. Randy ensured the spoons and other props were kept from Geller's hands until showtime to prevent any tampering. The result was an agonizing 22 minutes in which Geller was unable to perform any tricks. Randy had bushy white eyebrows and beard, a bald head, and gold-rimmed glasses, and bounced his five-foot-six frame energetically, even in his final years. He sought to disprove not just those who read palms and minds, but chiropractors, homeopaths, and others he saw as predators seeking innocent people's money. Oh, let me tell you a little bit about this guy. He's given a lot of speeches around the country, okay? One of his more famous speeches... He starts out talking about homeopathy, right? And he opens this bottle of what appears to be medicine, and he starts eating these what appear to be pills. And he's giving the talk the entire time. By the end of the talk on homeopathy and how bullshit it is, he'd gotten through the entire bottle. He ate the entire bottle of medicine, of homeopathic sleeping pills. And he said, now, according to this label, I shouldn't even be alive. 
but I ate the entire thing because there's no active ingredient in homeopathic medicine. He was the guy who exposed Peter Popov originally. I don't know if you guys know who Peter Popov is. I've mentioned him a couple of times in my videos. He's a televangelist who was famous for his faith healing stuff. He'd do faith healing, and he knew a disturbing amount of information about the audience members that he'd call up to do these faith healing events. So let's watch this short clip about Peter Popov and how the amazing Randy exposed him. You've got cancer of the stomach? Are you ready for God to burn that cancer out? Here it goes in the mighty. Devil, back off. Back off, devil! Ooh. Hallelujah! Now remember, he's... He's healing people ostensibly of cancer. He's telling these people that they're being healed of cancer. And these people are going to stop taking their medications, stop going to their doctors, because they believe that God healed them through Peter Popov. He used to charge money to get into some of these events. He used to pass around collection plates and things like that. He was a multi-millionaire. He made so much fucking money off of this. He made $11, $12 million some years back in the 90s and in the 80s. And along comes the amazing Randy to figure out exactly how this works. Let's keep watching. Hallelujah! You really believe you're healed? Yes. You think your cancers are gone now? Yes, I believe that, because God never lies, and we stand in his word. No, God never lies. That's the saying. That's what they believe. But does Peter Popov lie? Praise the Lord. I tell you, from now on, you're going to have a soul of victory in your heart. Amen. This is fucking disgusting, what this guy does. This is fucking disgusting. He is tricking people into believing that he healed them, that he cured their ailments, and now they're not going to take their medicine anymore because they think that God healed them through Peter Popov. How many deaths is this guy responsible for? How many? How many deaths? So the amazing Randy comes in, and he wants to figure out exactly how this works. What did he do? He brought a radio inside the hall, and played around with the tuning until he caught this. Hello, Petey. Can you hear me? If you can't, you're in trouble. Is it Popoff was being prompted by his wife through a wireless earpiece. John? Do you leave Johnson? She'd gotten her information from prayer cards filled out by the faithful before the show began. You want to get rid of this walker, sister? Oh, glory. How long have you been walking on that walker? About three years. Three years. She lives at 1627 10th Street. 1627 10th Street? Is that right? That's right. She has arthritis all over. Burning this arthritis right out of your body. This is fucking disgusting, dude. That was James Randi who exposed Peter Popov. James Randi took this guy down. James Randi destroyed this guy's career for what he was doing to people. We have so much. We owe so much to James Randi for what he did to expose charlatans and save people's lives seriously. So let's continue reading this AP article and see what else it had to say about James Randi. Randi targeted those he saw as frauds with a tenacity and dedication he admitted was an obsession. His efforts were reminiscent of those of his great predecessor, Harry Houdini, who devoted large portions of his time to debunking spiritualists and their, and their seances. 
Quote, I see people being swindled every day by medical quackery, frauds of every sort, psychics and their hotlines, people who claim to be able to find lost children or to help them invest their money. Randy told the Associated Press in 1998, I know they're being swindled because I know the methods being used. Once awaiting the chance to sift through the trash of a faith healer, Randy spent days in his car eating Twinkies and drinking Pepsi. Sounds like a good time, honestly. Dude knew how to party. Twinkies and Pepsi. That's, that's my kind of party right there. Quote, I suffer from this obsession that I have something important to do, he explained in a 2007 interview with the AP. There were other coups for Randy. He once showed the messages television faith healer Peter Popov claimed to be getting from God about his audience were actually coming from his wife through an earpiece, but the vast majority of those he aimed to show were frauds, were lesser known, lured to prove their abilities by the James Randy Educational Foundation. Through that organization, Randy was guardian of a $1 million prize he promised to give anyone who could prove either their own supernatural powers or the presence of a supernatural being. His loudest detractors said they didn't believe the money even existed, but Randy had the bank documentation. No one ever came close to collecting. Another little fun fact about James Randy. It turns out he was gay, and he didn't tell anybody that until he was 81 years old. 81 years old. Let's watch this clip by Big Think with James Randi explaining why he didn't come out as gay publicly until age 81. Oh, well, uh, I did it. First of all, my next book is to be called, um, this is a plug, A Magician in the Laboratory. And I thought, well, hey, before I publish the book, I should really come out and, and say to people, yes, I'm gay. I've been gay all of my life. I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. The point that I came out so late in life uh, is, is only due to the fact that I never got around to it. All my friends and family have always known, all of my, my office people and such have always known about this. <clears throat> I've never made any refusal to, to discuss it. And if anyone has ever asked, I've said quite frankly, yes, that's the situation. And for 25 years now, I've had a faithful companion and uh, we get along just fine. We're, we're very attached to one another. I'm very happy in that relationship. And um, it doesn't enter into my work at all, though. Remember, this guy is 92. Like, he just died a few days ago. He was 92 years old. Imagine coming out as gay as a teenager in the, what, the 20s or the 30s or the 40s? Imagine that shit. Imagine the kind of fear he had in the pit of his stomach his entire life that somebody would find that shit out. That he would be revealed to the people around him or on a broader stage. Imagine the fear that he had to live in for some period of time in his life. Let's continue listening. The public reaction has been wonderful. I, I anticipated that it would be, frankly, but it's been much more, much better than I even dreamed it could be. I'm still getting emails uh, months after this happened. I'm still getting email uh, from people who say, oh, I just found out about so-and-so and everything. Bang on, that's the way to go. And these are people who can or, or cannot be gay one way or the other. It doesn't make any difference. They all accept it. And a couple of sour grapes out there. But uh, I could ignore them safely, but a very, very small minority. People have understood, and we are in an enlightened age. Now, when I was a teenager, oh, that would have been the last thing I could possibly have done. I would have gotten stoned. I would get beaten up every day, I'm sure, by the kids at school. But uh, not anymore. That, that day, I hope, is past. We have to stay vigilant and be careful about this shit, because as I talked about last week on the podcast... Gay marriage is still very much up for debate in the U.S. We need to stay vigilant and stay on top of this and make the world better. Make the U.S. better than it is right now. Gay marriage shouldn't be up for debate. It's fucking ridiculous. It shouldn't be up for debate. And here we are. So that's who James Randi was. That's who this guy was all about. There was one more clip I wanted to show you guys from James Randi. 
what I would think of as the last words that he would want the world to hear. The last and final message that he wanted to deliver to us before he died. He was on a show, I think 10 or 12 years ago, and he was talking about Peter Popov, about exposing him. He was talking about how Popov, right before he was exposed, made $11 million that year. It was like 1986, I think. And then 1987, he went bankrupt. 10 years later, 1997, or somewhere in there, Popov made a million more than his best year. He made 12 million that year. After being exposed and ruined, publicly, thoroughly ruined, how does somebody come back from that to make more than they used to before they were exposed as charlatans? This is James Randi's response to that. People don't pay attention to this because they don't really want to know. They like the fantasy. They like the comfort. They don't want to know the truth. The truth to them is ugly. You're going to die. Someday you're going to die. That is a fact. And it's time that our species grew up, matured to the point where they could look ahead and say, Yes, I, I, I'm going to die, but I want to do the best I can while I am still alive. That's my attitude. At 83, ladies and gentlemen, I have years, some years ahead of me. I will work up until the minute that I close my eyes for the last time, and when I do that, I will be smiling. I couldn't possibly agree more, and I couldn't possibly respect the guy more. His death is a loss to the world. But his videos are still out there, and we can still watch them. So, if you guys haven't seen or heard of this guy before, The Amazing Randy, go check him out. Let's take a quick look at Super Chats. Nakator. And now Popoff has been relegated to selling packets of magic water on TV, which sign you up for a mailing list that begs you for small amounts of money here and there. Doesn't surprise me. Honestly, the thing I'm surprised most about by that is the fact that he's doing so poorly right now. Televangelists are the just most disgusting scam artists, and they have a knack for coming back from the dead. They have a knack for reviving their careers after they've been destroyed by some serious scandal. It's disgusting. Seriously, it's disgusting. Zulfner, Owen sucks, but I love the chat. Zulfner, gay marriage should be up to states and... No, gay marriage shouldn't be up to anybody. People should be allowed to get married if they want to get married. In fact, the government shouldn't have any part in this at all. Why is the government involved at all? I don't understand. What does the government have to do with any of this? You should be able to declare that you're putting somebody on your medical insurance or whatever. You should be able to say, this person is my significant other, my spouse, and they should be able to hear medical information if need be or make medical decisions for me or whatever else. The government shouldn't be allowed to determine who I want to make medical decisions for me or who I want my social security checks to go to when I die or who I want to love. None of the government's business. It's not a state matter, not a federal matter. It's my matter. It's my fucking opinion. It's my decisions. Lawrence, there's no sound on the vids telltale. I appreciate the super chat. You didn't have to do that. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the sound, but it is reaching OBS and going out to YouTube. It was just a huge buffering problem. Maybe I really should think about getting a new computer in all seriousness if this thing's having so much trouble. I don't want to, you know, put the money into it, but I may have no choice. When we come back, we're going to talk about a Republican congressman claiming his wife has the gift of premonition. So give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the next article I want to take a look at is entitled GOP Lawmaker, My Wife's Gift of Premonition Shows That Freedom Is Dying. This is on the Friendly Atheist website by Hemant Mehta. 
So let's give it a read and see what it has to say. I thought I was done hearing the name of Rep. Clay Higgins, a Republican congressman from Louisiana, after he said on Facebook in 2017 that every Muslim suspected of being radicalized should be executed because the world needed to be saved for all of Christendom. Wow, dude. That. Why am I acting surprised? This does not surprise me at all. Uh, this is what I've, I'm expecting this shit. This is the this is sad that I've come to expect this kind of shit from people like this. I swore he was done making news after he became one of only five House members to reject a resolution committing to a peaceful transfer of power after the election. What the fuck? Turns out he's still batshit crazy. Yesterday, Higgins tweeted about how we were losing our freedoms. His evidence? Well, his wife had a dream. And that's it. This is a quote from... Representative Clay Higgins, member of the House of Representatives from Louisiana, I believe. Quote, My wife has a gift of premonition. Last night, she dreamed that federal squads were in our home seizing guns, knives, unauthorized foods, and stored water. They said we'd been reported. Becca awoke crying. What happened to our freedom, she asked. What indeed? This dude is ridiculous. Nobody is coming after your guns in the U.S. It's not going to happen. The Second Amendment exists, and that means the government can't take your guns. Now, I could see them setting up a buyback system like Australia had in, I think, the 90s. But usually those aren't necessarily mandatory. If you wanted to keep one of your guns, you could. You just couldn't bring it out in public. You can have almost anything on private property. And the government would never know and wouldn't, wouldn't investigate, wouldn't try to take it from you or any of that shit. Aside from that, this is gun country. This country is full of that shit. I, I can't foresee a day when the government tries to come in and, and do that. But taking your food stores and your water stores, why would they do that? What possible justification would, could the government give for that it would have to be like north korea they do that there they do that kind of thing it would have to be like that this is completely outrageous and disconnected from reality in every way back to hemant meta a republican's wife had a bad dream therefore higgins says democracy is dying he says this while the leader of his party does everything in his power to subvert democracy all while higgins does absolutely nothing or in some cases, does everything he can to assist the leader, Donald Trump. It's like Republicans defending fetuses. They're all self-proclaimed heroes in the realm of things that don't exist. When they have the opportunity to actually do something meaningful, they're nowhere to be found. By the way, this guy who believes his wife has supernatural powers and thinks agents coming for his Cheetos and water is the worst thing that could happen sits on the Homeland Security Committee. Don't you feel safer already? I saw a tweet recently. I don't remember who it was from. I wish I could give credit for it. But they said these gun-loving Trump supporters are all about defending America and doing their part to help out when it comes to building militias to protect people and protect the state and having open carry licenses so they can protect people at the supermarket and fight in the hills and all that other shit. But when the government asks them to actually do something to help, like legitimately help, wear a face mask, they can't make that simple sacrifice. They can't do something so basic. Because in that fantasy, they were killing. And in the reality, they have to be nice. That's the real difference. I think that's what the tweet said. I thought it was apt. Let's keep reading. At least some of the responses were gold. So these are responses to Representative Clay Higgins about his wife having premonitions, bizarrely. This is from Douglas Moran. Quote, Last night, I dreamed my cancer treatment cost $20,000 and I didn't have the money, and the GOP was trying hard to make health care unavailable to millions of Americans, and they were trying to force through a SCOTUS justice who would support just that. And I woke up, and it was true. This one's from Fred Gutenberg. Rep. Clay Higgins, last night I had a dream my daughter was still alive. Unfortunately, she is dead, a victim of gun violence. Crazy people like you who are suffering with psychosis have had your way in our public safety for far too long. I hope your weapons are removed. Well said. 
This one's from Zach Ford. Imagine your local police officers just busted down your door without knocking and shooting you in your bed. That's the reality for many people already. Hashtag justice for Breonna Taylor. Well said. I guess that is a reality for some people already. Although the image that was being depicted by Clay Higgins was one of a police state, basically. He was trying to depict the U.S. as a police state where you have to be scanned. Everything you do is monitored. Everything you do is controlled and watched and all of that other stuff, much like in North Korea. That's just not how the U.S. functions. It's like saying the U.S. is going to turn socialist. That's just a completely bizarre claim to me. We're nowhere near socialism. Nowhere near it. I would say we're closer to a pure capitalist system, like pure capitalist system, than we are a socialist system. It seems to me, maybe I'm wrong on that point, but this fear-mongering about living in a police state, a, a communist or a socialist police state where they're trying to take your stuff, that's just not based in reality at all. He's a conspiracy theorist, plain and simple. Back to Hemant Mehta. Higgins happens to be in a safe Republican seat, but his tweet is a reminder that unless rational people run for office and unless people vote for them, there will always be deranged people in Congress with far more power than they deserve. Well said. It's like I was saying before, there are people in government right now. There are people in control of our government, in Congress, who are true monsters, true sociopaths. Who are those people? I don't know. We don't know. We don't know exactly who they are. We don't have the medical record of every, uh, or personality test of every congressman and president and Supreme Court justice. We don't have personality tests for any of them as far as I know. We don't even have personality tests for a lot of police. But they are there. They're out there. Who are they? I would love to know which ones are the sociopaths. Which ones have real genuine psychopathy? And remove them. Psychology is, all things considered, a young science. It's a young science. It hasn't been around forever. We're just starting to really learn how it works and get a good grip on what's reliable and scientifically accurate and what isn't. I mean, a lot of the things that Freud proposed has been debunked now, but he was the, the grandfather of it. He started it and, and legitimized it as a real science in many ways, along with a lot of other psychologists in those early days. All things considered, psychology is a very young science, and I'm optimistic in the hope that eventually every leader in the world, anybody with any amount of power at all, will be required to take a personality test that will weed out the psychopaths or the power-hungry people from people who are genuine and have people's best interests at heart. I have to imagine a dangerously and disgustingly high percentage of the leaders, not just in the world, but the U.S. specifically, have clinical psychopathy or are power-hungry, only in it for themselves. Who knows who they are, but maybe one day we'll be able to weed them out. Let's take a quick glance at Super Chats. Madeline Welsh, to clarify, I was saying the person saying gay marriage should be up to states had, be- had bad takes, not you. I love your channel and analysis. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I just think it's ridiculous that the government should be involved in marriage at all. It's disgusting. Getting married is basically like handing a knife to your significant other, handing a knife to the government, and then turning around and facing the other direction. It's, it's not good, generally speaking. I say marriage is a bad thing. Uh, it makes you open and vulnerable to just 
having your life destroyed. But there are a lot of benefits to it. And, you know, I, I can get on board with those benefits. I would get married again, definitely, because of the benefits. But only because of the benefits. I don't need the government to tell me who I love. And I don't need to tell the government who I love. It's none of their fucking business. I was wondering what your opinion on paganism is. Well, I think paganism is ridiculous. I think it's just as ridiculous as any religious group out there. But if you're asking me about pagans, I have no issue with anybody. I support everybody to go through their journey in life. It's none of my business, so whatever. If that's your thing, then that's your thing. Um, but yeah, I do think paganism is just as ridiculous as any other religion out there. Extreme veganism is too extreme. Okay, I would say extreme anything is too extreme, right? The goal is to not be extreme, generally. That's my goal, anyway. How are Miki and Champagne? You mean cashmere. Miki and cashmere. Miki's been sitting right on the floor next to me this whole time like a good kitty. She's doing well. Cashmere is a little wired, as usual. He's always freaked out about something. What do you think about atheist conservatives? I think that if they're supporting the Republican Party then they are effectively supporting the evangelical voting bloc, which is the largest voting bloc that the Republicans have. And I don't know why any atheist would want to support the evangelical voting bloc. Seems bizarre to me. Conservatism, on the other hand, has some interesting ideas, and I'm willing to discuss those ideas with anybody. I think it's wrong. I think those ideas, generally speaking, are wrong. But... I'll talk about it. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll work it out. More than happy to discuss any ideas with anybody. That's where I'm going to end the show. I appreciate you guys coming on and giving it a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.